Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Happy to be here hanging out with you inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. We're here with my guy, Mr. Joe Forgione. He's joining us here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora after joining me when I asked him to be a part of MU Courtside for the last couple seasons, and he took over for a year, took care of something that I care about so very much at Marywood University, did a fantastic job, and now we are here this morning to talk with you and, and share some time with you. So very happy to be here and very honored to be here with Mr. Forgione. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Joe, how are we doing today? Hey, good morning, Dan. Great to be here, man. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah, and you know, now that you're on the phone, we don't have to worry if you have a shirt on or not. No, and I don't, and that's fine. But uh, you're just you're just hurting the people that can't see me, which is something I don't. I, I, you know, it's fine. I, it's expected. Did you like Did you like the fact that uh, in order to find a picture of you, I I found a nice one of you in a uh, shirt and tie, and I decided to very gently and sweetly cut Crystal right out of it. So. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's one of the more modest pictures you'll find of me, which is probably what you had to siphon through. You know, I, uh, if I if I don't have to wear a shirt, I'm not gonna. <laughs> is is she is she upset by any chance that that I that I cut her out of this uh, this picture to get like a headshot of you? Is she okay? Uh, I don't know if she's seen it just yet, but I can tell you right now, she won't be okay with it. <laughs> how 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 is uh? How is married life? You know, in the time that you and I have spoken, uh, when we first spoke back at, you know, back at Marywood and whatnot, uh, you know, we we have had an interesting journey. And uh, since then, you now have you have two children now that uh, that record states are your own. Correct. They're yours. We're pretty sure they look like me, so I'm not, I don't have to go to any lawyer after this. OK, that's a good thing. But so you have you have a wife, you got two kids What's uh, what's life been like in that respect? I mean, when you and I started this thing, it was uh, it was kind of you and I and the world, and now now you uh, now you are a family man. So what's that like? Well, I'll tell you, that journey was something like the Oregon Trail. Honestly, <laughs> it was uh, <laughs> to put it lightly and mildly. But uh, married life is great. You know, you gotta just find someone you're compatible with, and having two kids is. It's definitely like a bubble. I mean, you, you go into this parenting bubble where all, all you kind of care about is uh, these kids now, and they become your world. And basically for me, you know, my wife's a great mother. Uh, I'm turning into a good father. But at the beginning, I really didn't have a clue. I can't lie. Um, I remember when the hospital released me and my and uh, my wife with my son. He's a firstborn. I, <laughs> I looked back and was like, is there like a late checkout? Because I don't know if I can really... I don't know if I can handle this, but, uh, you know, you, you make it work. And if you find someone that, that you can make it work with, that's important. Your foundation, I, I can't stress that enough. If you, if you don't have a strong foundation to begin with, that's really what you gotta, you got to aim for because it gets so much harder once you add kids involved. And, and, and obviously time and patience and so much goes into it. So if you have a strong foundation, you know, you'll, you'll see it through. But the frustrations are still there. I mean, two kids, are, it's, it's not an easy trail. Yeah, you know, and and like you said, going through this and going through the Oregon Trail, and I stopped creating my name on the Oregon Trail because I would always like have dysentery and die in the middle of the river on the way across the way. So I, I just I got tired of that. You know, it was like it was like Uncle Merle got shot in the leg, but he's gonna make it. 
Dan had dysentery and we left him in the river. You know what I mean? So like, that's typically what happened on the, and I was like, who gets to make these decisions and why am I not involved? But, but, uh, yeah, you know, we, I think that's a really good way to put it is that the, uh, the road that, that you and I have taken has been more like the, the Oregon trail, but what has the Oregon trail taught you? Well, me personally, a lot of patience, and it's it's taught me a lot about myself. Um, to be honest, I, I feel like it's important for someone to be alone for quite some time to really figure out who they are. Um, I think that, honestly, if you want to find out what you're made of and what you can handle, uh, it's important to do that on your own because it'll tell you what you can and can't deal with. And then things that you can't deal with, you, you kind of just make yourself have to do it um because you don't have someone to kind of lean on or crutch on so once you uh once you figure that out on your own you're ready to kind of open yourself up to a relationship but then you got to know what you want you know you you really have to understand what you want and make sure that you have the same values because that will get lost in translation for a little while in the honeymoon phase but it'll come right back it it only goes in hiding it never goes away yeah, sitting here with, with Joe Forgione this morning, a good friend of mine and also someone that spent a lot of time with broadcasting. I asked him to be my co-host for MU Courtside. I had a bunch of different co-hosts. I appreciate the people that you know lent, lent their voice to the show, but I wanted someone who was consistent, and it's very hard in today's world to find somebody that you know can match your passion with stuff. And when it came to you, Joe, I took a chance on on you and there was a reason why I did it and I know that I told you about this but there was this one day when we were at it was actually Regina Hall at Marywood University and I had talked to you before and we kind of knew each other but we we were rather strangers we had talked a bit but not to uh, any huge extent and this was a big ask that I was thinking about asking you and I remember being there at Regina Hall and I was sitting where uh, they typically sit, like the check-in area and whatnot for the dorm, the dorm uh, hall, whatever you want to call it, the uh, residence hall. Brandon Smith would kill me for calling it a dorm, so I'll call it a residence hall. And <laughs> and so I, uh, I just remember there was a girl. She had like a she had a cart. She was pushing her stuff, and and one of the boxes fell off. And I was thinking, you know, I've got to talk to somebody. i got to figure out a co-host that I can have that's consistent. And I thought about you. And then you walked literally right in front of me. You And the, the girl dropped her stuff without any question or any thought in your mind. You bent down. You picked up her stuff. You, you gave it to her, made sure she was okay. And then you walked with her to make sure she had what she needed. And in that moment, I was like, that's the guy I want. Do you remember any of that and do you remember when i asked you to be a part of it i uh, i remember when you asked me to be a part of it that that particular situation i i did i really vaguely remember i i kind of do yeah um i i i in some some i mean everything was crazy that day that was kind of like moving day or close to moving day and i uh i remember a lot of emotions were high you know leaving leaving the nest at home uh, i was in a different state and uh, I, I don't remember that, but I do remember when you when you asked me, and I, I do remember you, um, you know, explaining the story. And uh, listen, it, that's just the way I was basically taught. That's that's the way I was raised. I, I guess it's a tip of the hat to my parents. Uh, not saying that I'm the best person in the world, but I typically look out for others. Um, that's just my 
the, the way I am, the way I work. It's what makes me tick sometimes. Um, I, uh, I don't take pride in it to where I think that I need to be called out for it or recognized for it. It's just something I do. And if people see it and, and recognize it, great. If they don't, that's not the reason why I do it. You know, and, and that's and that's a beautiful thing, and I can appreciate that, and hence why, you know, I asked you to, to be a part of the show. Then we embarked on this journey together. We said a lot on the air. We definitely didn't just talk about basketball. You know, I've always all been about where sports meets life, which is the tagline for, for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and, you know, you... You and I always found a way to have fun. I'm sure you remember this moment. Uh, there was a lady that came down from the bleachers, and she said, "She said, hey, guys, and it was like halftime or something. We were like, hey, and she's like, how are you? Is it good? She said, I just wanted to let you all know that I love the show, and you know, my daughter plays on the team, and obviously we know the outcome of the game, but we taped one of the shows, and we go back home, and we watched it like four times. And we're going to keep watching it because you guys make us laugh and you make it so much more than just a sports broadcast. You and I always set out to do that. I set out to do that every day. Uh, what did what did that moment mean to you that that somebody saw the difference, number one, and, and number two, that someone appreciated our interesting humor? <laughs> well, you got to remember, you know, I was, I was fairly new to, to doing what you do so well. And to me, I remember that point. I remember that pretty well, and uh, to be honest, I just I, it just felt nice to feel like we kind of made a difference, uh, even if it was just for one viewer, but I, I know we did it for more. Uh, we ran into other people along the way, and more people said basically the same thing that, that she was expressing to us, but at that moment, I started thinking to myself, you know what? Maybe people don't mind hear, hearing me talk. It, you know, I'm an only child, and uh, you know, having someone tell you to talk more isn't really something that I was used to at that point. Um, but, you know, I understood where she was coming from, and I knew that her family, I believed her, put it this way. I didn't think that she was just saying it. I actually believed her uh, because she knew more than we thought she would about us. Yeah, you know, and and that, and that was the thing, you know, the, the people that took the time to take the time. You and I are both only children. What is the worst thing you've heard about being an only child? Because I know mine, I know what people typically said growing up. What's what's the first thing when you told someone you were an only child, what's the first thing they said? I already know the answer, but what'd they say? That I'm, that I'm spoiled. Yeah, of course. That like, we don't like, work, oh, that we don't have a job. Like, oh, you, you get everything you want, and I'm like, I, if you want a, a peephole into my world, <laughs> <laughs> maybe that would change. I mean, listen, my parents are great parents. Uh, I have a great mother. I have a great father, hardworking father. Uh, my mother always looked after me in the, the best way she can. Uh, in my wife's eyes, you know, she did an okay job raising me. No, she, 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 always, she always says it. Um, but as far as other things, I've had some tough lessons growing up. I mean, I got stuff, but I, I, I the way they make it sound spoiled means I do nothing. Right. And just the way that I've grown i can tell you that that's just not the case i'm i'm sure some cases that, that that's you know that's the epitome of an only child and that's what people follow and it is what it is and that doesn't make them bad people but i can tell you right now that once i meet people and i tell them they ask hey you have everyone always thinks i have a brother or a sister so they always say like oh how old are your siblings and i always say i'm an only child they're like really your personality springs off that you're 
you have multiple siblings. And I'm like, no, I'm an only child. And then immediately they just go to, well, it must have been nice to have everything growing up. And I'm like, I don't understand. <laughs> you know nothing about that. Yeah. Well, and, that, and that's, I mean, that's the thing. My dad told me, he was like, if you want money, get a job. When I was 10, I had to mow lawns. And, you know, at 14, I started working, working like an actual job. And, you know, and then you just kind of earn your keep from there. And that's that's how it always was. That's that's what always happened. And that's how it had to be. And I was okay with that because, you know, my parents taught me the value of a dollar. They taught me how to appreciate uh, things that came my way and and whatnot and to, you know, make the most of opportunities so, you know, it meant the world to me. And speaking of the opportunity to go back to another time at Marywood, you and I got an interesting thing from an official. And typically officials are probably not fond of commentators. But during halftime of one of the games, you and I were sitting on the bleachers. And and this uh, one of the officials, I think it was like, uh, it was he was standing right at center court. And he came up and he goes, hey, guys. And I was like, hey, you know, what's going on? And I'm kind of looking at you like, what's this guy going to do? Is he going to tell us that we said something on the air, like go a little bit easier on us? You know, like what's going to happen? And he said, hey, he goes, I just want to let you guys know I'm a big fan of the show. And I remember us looking at each other going, didn't official just say that? You know what I mean? Like, that's so weird. And then he uh, he was like, yeah, he goes, when I'm in downtown Scranton, he's like, no offense to like, you know, that four letter company, I won't say it, whatever, but he's like, no offense to them or anything like that. But he's like, we shut off their games. He's like, I don't care if it's Georgetown or who it is or whatever. He's like, we shut off those games and we turn on MU courtside because with all due respect, we just appreciate good basketball and you guys are better at it than they are. You make us laugh. It's real. And so he's telling us that downtown, they're getting a kick out of it. And then he went to walk away and he turned around and he goes, hey, and just so you know, to like build some context, he's like, my buddies have been into basketball for like 30, 40 years, 20 years. So we know what we're talking about. And I just remember thinking to myself, like that moment, I want to be a fly on the wall when it's like, you know, Duke, North Carolina and the guy's going, hey, hey, put on Joe and Danny and let's get this crap off the television. You know, like that, that, that to me really was cool. That was a good moment. Yeah, I remember that too. You know, it's and so I mean, it's cool to have that. And you and I have had a lot of interesting times on the air. We've said some stuff. We were asked to be nicer to a team that that uh, I believe we were broadcasting one day, and the team lost by forty. Uh, they had scored twenty points. When we when I when I told you, I was like, Joe, we we gotta we gotta be a little bit nicer. And I remember you looking at me, looking at the court. And putting your hand up to the scoreboard and going, bro, like, look. And I was like, I know, but I said, because we, we got asked to be nicer when the team was struggling because they got like two phone calls. or like, wow, these, I was like, we're, we're being real. So I said, Joe, I don't want to lie because I can't lie. And I have to, like, I have to be able to go to bed based off of how I, how I did my job, what I did. And so I said to you, we have to do this in such a way where I said, why don't we take a negative and spin it to a positive instead of like making a making, you know, a pile of poop look like steak. Let's just talk about how it is poop. But someday it could be steak. Maybe. I don't know. And so I remember one day uh, we the the score the score for one team was like 20 points. 
and the other team was insane. And I remember you just like widening your eyes and going, bro, just look at the score. And so I was like, yeah, Joe, but let's like try to find a pot. Like, I was like, don't lie. You're like, I can't lie. I won't lie. I can't lie. I remember that. You're like, I can't lie. I said, I can't either. I don't want you to lie, but let's make it, let's, let's try to make it positive. And I remember that I leaned into the positive a lot quicker than you did. And, and, and I remember at one point you're like, what am I supposed to say? And then you go, okay, bro, you know what? You're, you're fine. He's like, and you were like, Danny, this game is way out of reach. You know, the team's got 20 points. They're down by 47, but the spin on the ball was fantastic. And I just remember I go spin on the, and if we go back to that video, I probably mouthed you like spin on the ball. Are you kidding me? And then I was like, I should be happy he's being positive. But I was like, it's like a mock. And then the guy comes out and kind of, I think Mark came out, kind of looked at us. And I was like, what do you want me to do? He's a loose cannon. I don't know. Like, this is Joe. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I was like, he's just firing everywhere. I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, you know, I was like, you know, when they talk about the field of battle and there's always one black hawk that goes down because it got shot by friendly fire. That's Joe. <laughs> I was like, but I, do you remember? I know you remember the spin on the ball comment. Oh, I remember that clear as day because my sarc my sarcasm came out. I remember when I first came on the air with you, I was so nervous. I was terrified. I remember I, I didn't know if I could be myself. I don't know if I was going to say something that I, you know you can't retract because once it's out there, it's totally different. It's not like you can edit it. I was a big editor and I was like, I don't know if people are going to even like my voice. They don't even have to look at my face, but they can hear me. They're going to hate me. I just remember thinking all of these things. And then when you told me, like, we were doing well, and then you said, hey, listen, we got to be more positive. And I remember thinking, that is going to be very tough because out of everything else that I'm doing, I'm just trying to be real. And I remember thinking to myself, you got to come up with something, man, because you just can't keep saying what you're saying, apparently. So I remember it was a it was a shot. I, I'll never forget it. It was a shot that, that didn't go in. And it hit the back. It hit the back of the backboard, and it didn't even hit the rim. And I just remember thinking, "Well, Dan, that didn't look great." But to be honest, the spin on the ball made it look a little bit better. And I just remember looking at you, and like your eyes were like, "Dude, what?" And then you said, "Spin on the ball," and I'm like, I just remember thinking in my head, "I got nothing else." So if you don't like spin on the ball, I'm out. I'm out of bullets. I got nothing else to say. You're gonna do this by yourself, buddy. Yeah, you just, you just. You sh you and, and it was funny because there we were on radio and we were on video simultaneously on, on TV and radio and I remember and we went out to like substantial people it's like ten thousand on the radio ten thousand on video and so you you and I were talking and there's times where you would just go silent and you would just shake your head and I'm like Joe you got to speak and you're like there's nothing to say. <laughs> I remember thinking. I remember thinking when you told me that, and you're like, "Dude, you're like Joe. You gotta say something." I remember thinking, "Well, can't they see the game? Can't they see what's going on? Do I really have to explain this to them?" And I'm like, "Joe, it's on the radio," and and you're like, "They they know how I feel." Like it was just, <laughs> and and I re I remember, I remember my spin to the positive in that game, and I looked at you, and I was like, "Well, Joe." They're, they're they're down 60 to 20. 
And, you know, this game, there's 13 minutes left. So, you know, there's always a chance because there's just, there is, you know, there's always a chance that this could turn around. But if it doesn't, you know, I think that they got to learn. And really at this point, they just got to dribble well. You know, they got to pass the ball well. And I tried to find anything I could. I was like, even though they're down by 40, they can still seek to improve. And you just looked at me and I was just like, what? <laughs> I was like, you know, I'm just telling you. I just remember thinking in my head, I'm like, well, they're down by 40. What are you going to say, Dan? And I was like, well, they're down by 40, but they can keep trying and keep working. I think we went to commercial and you're like, you and I could do the same thing. <laughs> and, I just, and I was like, we would probably do it better, Joe. I remember thinking as you were saying that, because I, I do remember you talking about dribbling. I just remember putting my head down and going, God bless his kind soul, because he is so much, be he is so much better at this than I am right now. <laughs> I, yeah, I just, I just remember, it's kind of like a ship was on fire, broken in half, and the Kraken was in the ocean. And then I was like, well, Joe, at least the flag's still up. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's kind of how I felt in that moment. But... But, you know, times got better, things got better, and if for nothing else, we, you know, remained uh, inappropriate, but in such a way that people had to think to get it, so it wasn't genuinely inappropriate. I th we had our moments, because I said stuff on the air, and you're like, bro, did you just say that? And I was like, I used to say something on the air, and I guess I can say it because not everybody knows it. It's not swearing. But I used to say when a team was really good, like in the case of Tom Brady, I was like, wow, Tom Brady's just like running a train on the NFL. And I said that on the air, and this my one buddy, Don Bougie, he listened to it, and it was when I was on traditional radio, and he went, bro, I heard your show today. And I was like, cool, thanks. He goes, yeah, I have a question. I was like, yeah, go ahead. He's like, y you said run a train on the air. I was like, right. He said, you didn't say it once. I go, okay. He goes, you said it three times. He said, why, why are you allowed to say that and not get in trouble? I was like, well, I don't believe that my bosses listen to the show. <laughs> I also don't think they know anything about sports and I don't think that they know slang. So I was like, I think I'm okay. And he goes, he goes, I'm amazed by the fact that you could do it. And I go, well, Dom, listen tomorrow. <laughs> so, <laughs> if you think I can get away with that today, <laughs> tomorrow they give me a little bit more rope. You know, but that's, yeah, I mean, it's, that's the truth. But here at Joe Forgione, uh, fellow Marywood University alum, my co-host for MU Courtside. Joe, w what are your fondest moments thinking back then? Um, honestly, if I'm going to be honest and not too sappy, is just how much I really looked up to you and you took me under and, and you, you, you were a very important piece in my life overall looking back just because you made me face a fear that I never thought that I could overcome. And it wasn't so much of being on TV or being on the radio. It was just, it was a combination of being heard, being able to be who I am and being accepted for who I am. Um, because let's be honest, and it's only it's in this day and age, it's still relevant. Um, sometimes you're censored for the right reasons, and then sometimes you're not. And it's frustrating because you just want to kind of shake some people and say, I, you know, I don't understand how you're not seeing 
what I'm seeing, and you're not always right, and I'm not always right, but some things are so obvious that you just, you can't be fake about it, and the fact that I was able to be genuine and be myself was huge, because I kind of fell into a person, like a person that I want to become, and to this day, I mean, there's a lot of lessons that come along with that, and, and come after that, but to start and to boot, I mean, you gotta remember, I was in college, I was away from home, that's all I knew, I was younger, uh, my thought process is not even close as complicated as what it is right now. And I just simplified things. And I started to remember thinking that, you know, I am who I am and I don't have to be somebody else to try and appease somebody. And that's basically came from you and every, you know, it, it grew from that, but that's basically where it started. I'll tell you, it was a huge impact on my life because I never in a thousand years thought that I'd be able to do half the stuff that we did. Well, I didn't, I wasn't expecting that. I, uh, I don't know what to say, you know, to those words. I, I don't know how, um, I don't think it's my credit at all. I mean, I appreciate it. I thank you for that. But, you know, to me, it was, I remember trying to, to get you to do it. And I was like, Joe, you know, just, I want you for the whole season. And you're like the whole season. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do one game. I'll just probably, you know, piss my pants. No one will see it. It's under the table. No one will know about it. And I just, that's it. It's over. Yeah, and you were like... And you said, yeah, the whole season. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the thing. I was like, we got it. You know, I said, I, I want... I picked you. You know, I was like, I I picked you. And that's that's what I... That's that's the person that I want. Like, it it took me years to find anybody that, that I thought could build, you know, true credibility and strength and continuity and consistency, positive consistency, and, you know, it, it was, I was used to doing the show by myself, and so to me, it was like, I have to find the right person, and I took a chance, and to be honest with you, like, kind of lump in the throat, jump in the river, hope you can swim, like, out of my entire life of 35 years, one of the biggest chances I ever took was on you. Right, yeah, I mean, and, you something, and, I mean, if you think about it, you started something and you were doing it and you had to keep it going and you didn't know me from basically a hole in the wall. I mean, you knew me just from my presence and a couple of talks here and there, but you didn't know me and you, you didn't know where it was going to head and you didn't know if, who knows, it could have went any direction, but the fact that you had, you, I mean, that's scary for you in general because you got to pick somebody. You don't want to do it by yourself, which is understandable. And, um, you know, you, you had to do what you had to do. And, and for you, that's, that's a decision that, that you made. It was an executive decision, and, I, and I'm sure it was a tough one because I'm sure there's other people in the running, and you know, you, like I said, you you weren't sure about it. But uh, I mean, it's just a, it's just amazing. Uh, that's just life in a nutshell, to be honest. I mean, you, you just take a chance, and and honestly, you hope for the best. I know hope isn't a strong word, but sometimes it's all you got, and you just gotta just keep the keep the course. Well, you know, and I would disagree with one thing. I think hope is a strong thing, and. You know, I put right over my shoulder here in the studio, people could see it right under the wake-up call logo. It says, hope makes the impossible possible. And I banked on you. You know, you just said you probably had other people in the running. I wanted you to be a part of the show. So I put everything in you. And and that was, that was, that was my thing. That was the card that I played. That's what I wanted. I was like, I'm getting Joe Forgione. That's it. And I remember that I had to like wine and dine you, bring you to the cafeteria, you know, swipe an extra meal. I had to sit there with you and we had conversations. All right, I'm going to do it. 
I, I, and then it was like, ah, Danny, I don't know. And then I'd see you. Now let's talk about it. And oh, you know, I'll do a couple game. I'll do one game. I'll, let me figure it out. Maybe I'll do three games. And I was like, Joe, I need you for all of it. And then, and then you did it. And then it was like, all right, what are we doing next year? And then two things happened in my life. So you know, to 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 pay it back to you here, two things happened in my life after that. Number one, when the wolves came to my doorstep, and I didn't even know it. You guarded me. You protected me. You had this. You had a spear. You had a torch, and you fought them away. And you fought battles for me that I don't even re- that I I didn't even know were going on because in the sick part of it all is not only was it wrong what people did. I was in the hospital when it was happening, but you know, and you stuck up for me in a way that only only family would, only a brother would, and that's. I can never forget and never repay, but I appreciate it more than I can tell you. And I'm thankful to God for that. And then the second thing was we went from Joe, can you do this? And you saying, I don't know, I could do a game to when I graduated and had finished up and it's a student run thing, you took over. And so, I mean, not only did you protect my baby when I didn't even know it was being attacked, but you took care of it after I left, and I can never find the words nor the actions to thank you enough for protecting me, protecting what I what I love, protecting something that is near and dear to my heart, and then taking it over and trying to make it your own, and the passing of the torch, because one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my career was let go of MU Courtside, and the only reason why I had to let go is because I graduated, and so... Yeah, I can I can truly say that you've been part of some of the biggest moments in my life and and some of those big moments being you're one of the only people that stuck their neck out ever to protect me in such a deep way and then beyond that you you took care of the show when I was gone. Well, I do remember that that uh that stage and uh it was sad to see because it was the flip side. I mean, it was it was almost like a movie. You know, everything goes so well, so well, you think everyone's on board, and then you, you kind of find out in the shadows that there are evil people. And uh, it's not to say that they're, you know, devilish, but the the mindset of some people, you you know, it it's, it's terrifying to think that some thoughts cross through their mind and they think that it's okay. And for me, I remember being so young, and obviously what I expressed before about not, not knowing too much and learning what I knew basically from you, but I do remember being approached about certain things in my gut saying this just doesn't feel right and and the only reason why i was there was because of you and then i was handling those battles without you and i just remember thinking like i'm not gonna fold because you know i i only know what i see and if you're gonna be this fake my thing was this if you're gonna be that fake to somebody and then you're gonna want me to put my full trust in you you're never gonna get it because who's to say that in a couple of weeks you're not going to do the same right back to me? And it also shows character. I mean, you're you're up front with somebody, and then all of a sudden someone's down and out, and then you turn their your back on them. That's just not you know that's just not me. And I knew that at a very young age. And if you talk to anybody that's known me for basically my entire life, they would definitely tell you that that's that's how I am. I you know I try and stay true to my word. If I tell you I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. If I tell you uh, I'm not going to tell anybody because you trust in me. That's my word. And that's basically all I got. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and it's 
it's funny that you that you end on that because that's what Floyd Little said to me uh, when one of the first interactions I ever had. He said the the most valuable thing that you own in this life is your word. If you have it, you have everything. If you don't have it, you have nothing. And you know, and and he made that statement. So you know, it's 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 such an honor and it's such an awesome thing that. Uh, we have had this and we've built this friendship. And I think, I think the, uh, you know, it, and it's been so much fun. I mean, you and I have saw each other through the, I'm going to marry this girl. And then we look at each other now, like, what was I thinking? <laughs> so I'm like, you know, you know, we've, we've, we've been there. We've been, I think at one point, uh, both of our girlfriends at the time had walked up to us at MU courtside at halftime on the bleachers. And I thought in my head in a totally platonic and like, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry way. I looked at you and I was like, we're better off getting married than being with these people. Like, (laughs) I just remember going like, at least the house would be fun. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, life's funny. And here we are. And and you learn a bunch of lessons. And the the important thing is to, is to basically learn from them. I I feel like a lot of people take that for granted. uh, The the lessons that you can learn. A lot of people just, it's true. You, you know, what people say, you keep your head down and keep plowing forward. That's, that's true to an extent, but at some point you got to pick your head up and look around and, and learn from either your mistakes or learn from things about other people and, and swallow your pride because pride's only going to, go so far i mean if you you have too much of it you're not going to really attract other people that you can learn from pride goes so far man and it it can make you lose a lot of battles that you can learn from and that's why i try not to shut out everybody when they try and give me a piece of advice and uh, you you know you you have to take a little bit from everybody you don't have to turn into that person and mirror them but if you can take one thing away from everybody you know you'll be a better person for it not just for yourself but for the people that you surround yourself with yeah you know and that's a great thing to say because, you know, you are supposed to, they say you're supposed to take something good from every situation. You know, if you're, if you're in a friendship that goes sour, take something good. If you're in a relationship that goes sour, take something good. If you're in a job that goes sour, take something good. And what I realized, and you can appreciate this being a card carrying Italian as well, is that every not great romantic relationship that I have had, all of these ladies that have come through my life, there's one common thing that they have all brought to my life despite not being a great relationship. And that was that they all either introduced me to a great restaurant or gave me a great recipe. So every girl that I've dated has brought me like better food to my life. And it's gotten to the point where it's laughable that like within a couple weeks, I looked at my mom and I go, well, she's gone. Wasn't right. But however... I do know how to make homemade pizza rolls now. <laughs> she probably call you and say, what are you having, Danny? You're going to have some peach cobbler and curl up with your girl? And you just say, no, ma, it's just a peach cobbler tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, and, and that's and that's the thing that I was like, wow, if I look back on my life, like like one, one girl I dated introduced me to Bojangles. That was great. You know, and, and I got, I got the homemade piece and I can go back to each relationship, Joe. I can go, you, you can be like, describe these, these six people you dated. And I'm like, okay, pork fried rice, um, pizza rolls, uh, hummingbird cake. You know what I mean? Like, 
And, and and that's the thing is it's like I have this wheelhouse. It's almost like I'm Gordon Ramsay and I'm kicking people out of the kitchen, but I'm like, leave the recipe. <laughs> so <laughs> get, get out of my house, but leave that piece of paper that's in your hand right there. I'm going to need that later. I'll never forget, and you can appreciate this, my last escapade, which you and I talked about very sparingly off the air and only about the key stuff. Uh, we, we, uh, the, my last encounter was I came home to my house and she was in my house. It's a funny joke. It's, it's really crazy. I'll tell you off the air. I'll probably say it on the air at some point in my life, but I need the statute of limitations to pass. So, so, but we, uh, we, I come home, she's in the house and she goes, Hey, I baked something for you. And I was like, but she was, she was mad. Like you can tell when a woman's like, not okay. And so I come home and she goes, she gives me those eyes and that, those eyebrows. And I was like, oh my God. So, and I just seen my dad and I had a good time and I celebrated his birthday and I came home and she goes, I baked something for you. And she points to this, like this little, you know, this uh, bread box thing. And I was like, oh, okay. And then she proceeded to get into like a massive fight with me. She took the bread, flipped it over, dropped it into aluminum foil, rolled it up and left. And the re and the reason why she got mad was because I shared the cake that I got for her and I. I I brought it to my dad and let him have a piece. And so she got mad. How could I have cut the cake with my dad? I should have cut it with her. So this was the irony. She got mad that I got something for her and and took it to my dad while she was taking the bread she made for me and taking it home. And she took it in my aluminum foil and she used my bananas and my ingredients. So I was like, with all due respect, that was my bread no matter how mad you are. But I've never but I can honestly tell you in 35 years, I've never seen a woman fight with me. And she's like, you know what? All right, fine. Flips the thing over and the bread's like dunk. And then she just flips and I've never seen a woman wrap up bread while I was getting yelled at. So it was a new one for me. I was like, well, I guess I'll never get that. And I, I thought to myself. I wanted to say something, but she was the type of person, if you said something, she'd come right back and say a lot of negative stuff. I wanted to go, uh, with all due respect, um, did you use my bananas? Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was going to make my own bread with those bananas. Thank you very much. Yeah, but seeing a woman flip over like a giant like curb cake, like a heavy brick of bread, seeing her flip that over in the middle of an argument... That was something. That was something special. I don't think I'll ever. I hope I never see that again. You'll never get out of your head either, and you probably don't look at bread the same way. Yeah, I was like, you know, that that bread's life to me was very short lived, and 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 see, like, see, I I used to just like when she left because she would leave the house all the time. This was like a few weeks, Joe. This was this was a little craziness, and she would leave the house all the time. But when she left, I just throw stuff out. So, like, if she came over and she brought her vegetable oil, went in the trash. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So, but my bread, I, uh, <laughs> I, I just, re- I just remember going, you know, but it depended on what it was, you know, if she left like spicier nacho cheese, like chips, then, you know, I ate those while I threw out the vegetable oil. Like I pick and chose what I did. <laughs> Well, at least you had a heart while you were doing it. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was like, I, I, you know, I was just like, I can't throw it. I, I'm just throwing everything out and I'm going, well, you know, I can't throw out a half moon cookie. I mean, you know, that's, 
I'm not a, I'm not a monster. <laughs> so that yeah, that's, that's something you'll you'll never forget, and see that'll stick with you, and you'll it'll it, it, believe it or not, it's making you a better person. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, it's uh, if 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 dating crazy makes me a better person, then I should be like Gandhi at this point. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, you all. Everyone needs some crazy every now and then, just to just to give them a good little check down, you know. Well, I'm will I'm willing to share. I'm more than willing to share. <laughs> I think I've stuck. I've I think I've licked the socket in the kitchen a few too many times. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I'm done. My I'm sure my mom will have some thoughts on the. You know, I was like, you know, in order to see sparks, sometimes I just lick the socket in the kitchen. So you know what I mean. So I didn't necessarily feel them. So I I went and searched for them, but. But yeah, I, I I look forward to the day that I can call you about a wedding where you know I don't uh, I don't send you like an emergency beeper alert. By the way, I think you and I should both get a beeper or long range walkie talkies so that because because we interact in a way that's like different, and you have a part of my like you have a part of my heart, you have a part of my life as as a friend and and as you know extended family to me where. I feel like the way the world communicates, we should have a separate way. And I would love to just like, I don't know. I think it'd be cool to have like long range walkies where we're on a, we're like everybody, you know, people are talking with us, texting with us in front of us face to face. And then we just have a code that we send to each other. I think that that would be fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully nobody breaks that code. Cause I'd be like, what'd this guy say? Be like, don't worry about it. He said, he said something about trains. It's not a big deal. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine. No one listens anyways. It's not a big deal. But yeah, I remember that day I said it and I peeked outside the studio and I didn't see my boss get out of his chair and I was like, well, obviously he wasn't listening this morning per always or he has no idea what I'm talking about. So, you know, but I, I do uh, I do appreciate, you know, you being a part of the show today and celebrating Marywood, celebrating, you know, what we, you know, what we work to do and uh, celebrating our friendship more than anything else you know this this is a special thing that we we get to do and we get to connect in this way and I know we talk about it but we already have a name for it and I'm working out a a logo and different things I'm looking to do I think we I think Joe I'm gonna ask you for a second time and I, I I'm hoping lightning strikes twice but I uh, I think I'm gonna need you to follow through with me on that thing we talked about Maybe I'll do one or two, you know? You get me for one or two shows. The difference between then and now is that there's me and there's also Crystal. <laughs> so, and I know that that woman loves me already. So, I will do what I can to make sure. She loves you, she loves you so much she returned, the, she returned my... Uh... My microphone that I was going to use on air with you. <laughs> yeah, I love that, Joe. Yo, Joe, I, th- I thought I thought that Amazon just gave us a free microphone for the order, and we didn't need it, so I sent it back. <laughs> yeah, she opened the box and she goes, "Oh, I didn't order that. I'm sending it back." She printed out a label, <laughs> shipped it back, and I said, I, after three days, I said, "You know, Amazon promised a two-day delivery. It's been like six, and Dan really needs me to have this microphone." And she goes, "You ordered a microphone?" I said, "Yeah," and she goes. Yeah, I sent that back, and I'm like, "What?" And, she, and then she, and then she spoke for you, and she goes, "It's okay, Dan won't mind." 
What? <laughs> yeah, and I. Then absolutely, and then absolutely mine, and now I gotta order another one. Yeah, that was that was uh that was an and I remember you telling me that you're going, Dan, don't worry about it. Crystal said that you said it would be okay. <laughs> like she's talking for everybody. She's returning my item and she's speaking for someone that she that she that she did not talk to about this at all. I'm certain about it. That she hundred percent didn't say, Hey, can I return this without talking to Joe? And the great thing about it is she spoke for us while taking away our ability to speak on a microphone. yep that's right that's that's a strong woman you know the only woman that could end up with you is a woman that could get like dish it just as well if not better and i feel like she brings that like i feel like if you were doing stand-up versus her she would she would like stand up battle you to round 10 so i mean i i just uh i i have respect for i have respect for crystal because i feel like she keeps you on your toes she absolutely does, and that's about fifty percent of the reason why I married her. Because she, <laughs> and the other fifty percent is because of her bread recipe, <laughs> and because she doesn't pack it when she gets mad. She doesn't flip it over. Yeah, dude, I, I've never, I've never heard something hit the top of my stove so hard, but. <laughs> I was just like, I was like, so that's what bread sounds like during an argument. <laughs> if I heard bread hit the stove, I would say, you may have left that in a little too long, lady. But I'm not, who am I to, who am I to tell you how long you took it for? There's a lot of things that went through my mind that I couldn't say in the moment. But I was like, I was like, if, if bread hits a stove in a kitchen, are you still crazy? <laughs> I was, I was like, I can't. I and can't. I hear it. <laughs> yeah, bread hits the stove, and I hear it. Are you still crazy? And are we still talking about this? <laughs> but luckily, I'm safe, so you know I can blink my eyes twice and let people know that I'm okay. But you know, I uh, I think I might need you to 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 do a season. I know you promised me a show or two, but you better answer your phone later today when I talk to you. Yeah, I'll be here. You call me. We could do a season. That'll be good. All right, brother. Well, listen, you know I love you and my love to your family, to the kids, and, and to Miss Crystal and, and your parents and everybody, and I hope that's into hers, and I hope uh, hope you guys stay safe and you're doing well. I'll talk to you later today, but it was good doing exactly what we always do, which is really not genuinely always talk about sports, but we make people laugh, we talk about life, and we have a good time with it, and as far as I'm concerned... As long as the spin on the ball's there and we're within 40, we got a chance. If you could dribble it, I'll be there. <laughs> All right, brother. Well, listen, take care of yourself, and I look forward to talking with you soon. But thank you for spending some time with me here this morning reminiscing. And your words that you said to me, I, I uh, genuinely will never forget. So thank you for that. No problem, Danny. Anytime. I'll talk to you soon, man. I love you, too. All right, brother. I'll talk to you. Later, bro. See ya. That coming from Joe Forgione this morning <laughs> on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora having a good time here where sports truly meets that thing called life and inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios you see Mary Wood hanging right over me here today and I want to thank Joe for being a part of it you know when we get together I never know what's gonna happen but it just felt right today to have a genuine conversation with a friend with a family member with somebody I trust with somebody that has supported me in the dark behind closed doors when I don't even know. You know, that is the definition of a true friend. 
somebody who's there when you don't even know that they are. So, you know, and I think Rob Drummond, one of my other close friends, he put it very well. He said, if you're not willing to defend me, and it, it was such a, such a beautiful thing that Rob said, he said, if you're not willing to defend me behind my, like behind my back, when things happen behind my back, like basically don't be my friend in my front. And I have so much respect for Rob and he's one of my closest friends, but there's something beautiful in, in that, you know, Rob was like, I don't want a friend who's just, he's like, I want a friend who defends me when I'm not around. It's like, I want a friend who has my back when I'm not even there and I don't even know about it. And that is Joe. Joe did that. He is one of the moments in 35 years where I know for a fact that someone defended me as a person because I wasn't treated like it. Me as a professional because I wasn't treated like it. And treated me with respect. He fought for me. And, and there's no better friendship than somebody who fights battles for you when you don't even know that they're going on, let alone fights them at all. Because they could simply just say it's not my battle. So I respect Joe more than I can say, and I appreciate him very much.